0: I'm very pleased to introduce you today to two lovely ladies, Jassidy Demers and Christina Dion. Jassidy and Christina's passion with uncovering the hidden dynamics of people and teams began with their various roles within the dental field. Combined, they have held roles as dental hygienist, dental assistant, office administrator, territory managers for a large sales company, and even consulting with practices. Through these positions, they found there is no one way to practice dentistry and that every practice has diverse personalities and practices. The biggest commonalities among dental teams is that even though we have access to continuing education and technological advancements, we struggle to implement change we are so passionate about to reignite our excitement about dentistry and to communicate with our teams and patients in a way that influences change and resolves conflict. They have found that the missing skills lie within our people. The dental MBP, has sought out industry leaders in communication, body language, conflict resolution, and so much more to bring to dentistry the people skills needed to be the most confident, authentic, and limitless versions of ourselves. Learn how to exceed your perceived limitations at www.thedentalmbp.com. It is now my pleasure to bring you my interview with Chasity and Christina. I am so excited to have you ladies on the show today. I cannot wait to hear your story about how you guys got together and how you formed the dental MVP. So without any further ado, whoever wants to start, take the floor and tell us a little bit about how you guys got into your YouTube channel. Well, thanks, MJ.
1: This is Christina on the mic here and Chasti and I really have a collaborative story of how we began and how we started in the dental industry and then kind of progressed into the dental MVP. We both are hygienists and we have a combined 15 years of experience. I personally started as a dental assistant and then became a hygienist prior to Chasti and Chasti was one of my assistants, a hygiene assistant for me. So our relationship started really early in the career and we got to work together and collaborate together. And from there, we both transitioned into a large company. And this gave us the ability to not only work from one practice, but from working with hundreds of practices. So we each personally worked with hundreds of practices, talked almost daily about the experiences that we were having and how can we motivate and inspire these practices? What kind of differences and changes are we seeing within the practices? and we started to really notice a trend in dentistry and being you know dental professionals ourselves a lot of times we can really look for that objective information and we can have that mindset of you know education and and learning and we loved that aspect of it we loved the aspect of education and learning and growing and that's what's so incredible about dentistry is we're always striving for more but what we found is there's this consistent trend where we struggle to inspire and motivate and create lasting change in dentistry. We take lots of education. There's so many different companies out there available to help us improve in our production, improve in our practices, improve in our communication. But we really do struggle with that implementation and that motivation aspect. You can take a course and maybe not be able to relay the same information to your team members and get them on board with you you may pay thousands of dollars for a consultant, have them come into the practice and struggle to really implement those changes. And we started to really question and say, you know, why is it that people do what they do? What motivates people? What belief systems drive people? How do you get someone to change? And we started to become obsessed with this and looking into it. And we said, you know, there's got to be someone out there. There's got to be someone who can help these dental professionals really help motivate and inspire change and create that lasting change within the people in their practice. And what we find is it didn't exist, not to the extent of just the people. And so that's why we said that day, we said, you know what, that's it, we're doing this. And we just really went on this train of obsessing and researching with some of the top leaders out there that are in neuroanatomy, um, neuroscience, psychology, anthropology, all of these different aspects, communication, body language, lie detection. I mean, really a large uh, majority of information. And we said, how do we apply this to dentistry specifically to help them with motivating and inspiring and creating that lasting change? And since then, we have been, you know, creating YouTube videos Mm -hmm. on a regular basis. We've been working with Front Office Rocks, who if you don't know who Front Office Rocks, Laura Hatch is an incredible um, asset to have for any practice. We're working with Dental Whale and we're working on our educational platform to really be able to give people that long-term use that they can apply into their practice.
0: You know, you bring up a really, really good point because the number of CE continuation education credits that I took over my career is phenomenal because I probably did on average about 100 credits a year. So I went overboard most of the time because I was always on this quest to learn. And when I would bring information back, I would find that my team were on board for a little while and then things started to slack. And because I'm only one person and didn't have the energy or the strength to continue on the, certainly there were a lot of really important things that I continued and I made mandatory, but there were some things that I, I regret that I didn't get implemented into my practice. So great point and great idea for a business. So good for you guys. Thank you. So where are you now? Are you traveling everywhere still? Are you working directly with Dental Whale or and with Laura Hatch, or are you on your own? So right now we are
2: starting. We have many things that we're kind of <laughs> and pulling together like right now. Like many
0: entrepreneurs. Good for you, ladies. Oh God, that'd be so, if it was one
2: thing at a time, that would be so great. No, we have a few things that are going on. We are currently recording for Dental Whale educational content. We are also working on our foundations course as well, which is a bulk of reporting. We're really focusing on getting done within this next month. I am due in August, so we're adding to the family. With a baby. baby. It's like we're on a bit of a time crunch for all of that stuff, but we're really excited to be getting to the point where we're filming the foundations course because we want to make sure that this is something that is available to all dental professionals as you're going and taking those continuing education courses or starting a practice or growing your team to make sure that you have these foundational people skills so then when you go to implement it before you've even reached the point of taking the course you're able to have that understanding of what do i need to keep in mind for what are the future barriers going to be to implement this what personalities exist in my practice and what are going to be the communication barriers that we want to also plan for so we can make sure that there's successful integrations and good conversations to make sure each person's voice is heard within the practice and that they're excited and that they want to be on board as well. Yeah, like you said, MJ, you know,
1: we get so excited about education and that's something that really happens in the majority of dental professionals and especially as a dentist or a practice owner. I think we get so excited for it and we're learning new information and we get so pumped up to bring this back to our team members. But what we forget to stop and think about the people before we even gain this information and think as I'm learning, how would I apply this information? How would my team perceive this? What would they see as barriers? What would they see as positives? You know, what are already some of the barriers that exist in general when it comes to implementing change? Do we have an individual in the practice who change you know certainty is something that they really is one of their core values they love to have that certainty they know what the schedule is they know what to expect and whenever you throw something new at them it throws them completely off so taking that already into account before you go to the education and that's why we call it the foundations course because it's starting backwards we start with if i was going to implement this what would it look like what would the people look like what would their point of view beyond this, you know, what kind of personalities do I have in the practice and how is this going to affect them?
0: And then learning the information with that in mind. Now, do you guys focus on personality tests and anagrams? So we do focus on
2: personality tests. Those are, that's going to be a big component of it, as well as core values. So understanding all of the things that influence people because we really believe that in order to truly have influence you really have to know what it is that already influences someone and that's going to fall down to their their personality traits as well as their core values and other beliefs that they may have about you know whether it's what their work ethics look like what dentistry is supposed to look like in their mind and really just understanding
0: how all of these facets you know affect them on a daily basis now, what about limiting beliefs? Are you talking about those at all? Because those I think are some of the key roadblocks that really keep us stagnated and keep us from growing.
1: I think you just nailed that on the head. And, and that was, was gonna to add to Chastity is on top of your personalities and your core values, one of probably the largest factors to consider are those limiting beliefs. And maybe not even limiting beliefs, but just beliefs in general. I don't Mm -hmm. necessarily wanna call them limiting beliefs because it's just someone's belief. And we might view it as this is limiting them from really progressing in their career or taking the next step but it's just their belief system. But we really go into understanding beliefs and where they come from and how to just acknowledge them and understand them. It's not about agreeing or disagreeing with people's beliefs, but really understanding what drives someone because beliefs are the number one thing that will motivate someone and influences them to do something. And beliefs don't always exist based off of factual information, right? There's plenty of things and I catch myself doing it all the time where I'll be like, oh, I'm not doing this. And then I'll have to stop and think and be like, where did I ever come up with like, this is being correct? You know, those quirky little things that we learn about from our moms when it comes to cooking or taking care of your baby. And there's no science behind it. It's just, you know, someone who I have great rapport with told me that this is what I'm supposed to do and I now believe this to be true. And it's engraved in me. It's something we've done in our whole family. Beliefs really do come from, usually from something that has rapport, whether it was information that you really take as valid and truth, a person or a situation where something happened to you and you said, now this is what I believe to be true. And so those beliefs are so deeply rooted that without really truly understanding what someone's belief system exists of, then you really can't influence and implement change with them. You know, you might get some things that you throw at them, and you, you know, you hit the nail on the head just by accidents or coincidence, or it might just be that they have another belief that is going to drive them to do it anyway. But to actually be able to understand a person and what motivates them and what their belief system is, and to be able to talk to that is what can make it you the ability to implement change so
2: much faster too. I think that's an important part is making sure that you're able to understand the belief systems to better align as you're communicating because beliefs can be really deeply ingrained. And as an individual, it's really important to be able to reflect and understand what beliefs do you have that limit you. And as you're going through that process of, of self-reflection and understanding what it is that you hold to be true, you can break down some of those things and reshift that with a lot of awareness. But It can be very challenging to identify someone else's beliefs and then try to change them. And so instead of necessarily trying to change someone's belief systems, just understanding how to better identify them and align with them to to work together just sitting on that same side of the table versus trying to win someone over to you know have a shared belief with you mm-hmm. is big
0: and recognition of our limiting beliefs i think is critically important you know i think that that's the first step that most people have to take is recognizing that the way i'm thinking is holding me back from progressing or holding me back from you know, having the life that I envisioned that I could possibly have. So I can see where this work is so incredibly valuable. Now, take me through start to finish. So you're working on your foundations and, you know, your, your foundation's basically around beliefs and then trying to improve them or core values and trying to help people see through them. And then where do you go from there? Because one of the things that, that, I know from just having my practice from so many years and being in still in administration now is if a culture doesn't change, you can have a lot of people rowing on your boat, the one in the same direction. But if everybody isn't on board, oh my gosh, you still can't get everything done. You still can't. Everybody has to be on. I used to say, everybody's going to be on my bus. You know, if you're not on my bus, you don't belong here because we we have someplace we got to go, guys. And if you can't come with me on the bus, then you're going to have to find some other bus to get on because this bus is going here. So walk me through the process so that, you know, a practice who might be listening, a practice owner who might be listening can understand what you're going to do for them.
1: Yeah. So to start, when we talk about the core values and the belief systems and everything like that, it's more of a, you know, self look looking at yourself looking inwardly figuring out exactly what chastity said how do i communicate as an individual what preference of communication do i prefer how do i like to work what do i prefer and then really diving a little bit deeper into this as to where did that all stem from you know looking at any sort of differences or troubles or problems or struggles that we have within the practice right now but looking at them more in the way of how have i contributed to them personally that's kind of the starting aspect of it is really understanding you know who we are as an individual how we communicate and where we also have contributed to these problems because first thing is taking that self-recognition and then you have like you said everybody's got to be on the same bus right is we do need everyone to be working together because without that like you said no matter what we're going to have failure to some degree and we settle all the time for good enough like okay well i got five out of six people to do it good enough and we really don't want that we really want to strive for practices to be working together for everyone who comes into their career everyone who comes into the office, to feel like they're all motivated and influenced to do the same thing together because they love and they believe in what they're doing, not because they're paid or there's a fear mindset that they're going to lose their job because of it. And I think a lot of times what happens, and it's easy to do this, is it's everybody on my bus routes, you out. There's a lot of times I think when we learn this information a little bit more about ourselves and about each other, we start to think back and say, did I leave someone behind that maybe I didn't give enough of a chance. You know, did I fully understand them as a person to understand how I could communicate better with them? Because true leadership is understanding the person and how you can better communicate with them and influence. And so that's a hard, you know, look in the mirror to say, did I actually take the time to give them the chance because too often my core value is growth, right? That's me personally. So I'm a big believer in education and learning things and and doing new things. So it's really hard for me if I were to have an employee who doesn't want to grow, who doesn't want to do new things, who doesn't want to learn new things, and just wants to stay status quo. That's a big barrier right there. But if I can learn about them as a person, their beliefs behind it, and maybe I can make them a rock star. Who is that? That talks about that. Make them a rock star where they are just so good at what they do. They don't need to do anything else because I can utilize them for the things that they're so incredible at and other people around them can grow and change and do other things. As long as this person is there and says, I believe in what everybody else is doing and I'm so good at this and this is what I'm going to stay doing. And so I think sometimes it's just looking at the people that we work with differently. And sometimes the roles that they play maybe a little bit differently versus whether they're in or out.
2: Yeah. And that's, you know, it may be a mismatch of values that are happening in the scenario that Christina's is talking about. So for us, the core value is growth. And for that person, it may be more recognition or relationships. So the way you're going to provide appreciation and praise is going to be different. So mm-hmm. instead of incentivizing them through allowing them opportunities to, you know, continue their education and do additional things. It may be recognition and rewards based on a relationship thing um, or a relationship factor, whether it's like team building time or even just making sure that you're pausing to give them that recognition for the tasks that they are achieving and that they're excelling at. So the foundations course really walks through understanding your personality, your values, and the way that you communicate, as well as recognizing your teams methods of communication and their values as well. So then we have a good understanding of those components and can communicate. And then we also walk through developing rapport. So how do you establish trust and are able to have those conversations where when people hear you talking about what it is that you're wanting to implement or as you're providing suggestions or recommendations for changing work processes, they're really hearing that through a lens of this person really cares about me and they want me to be successful. And you have to have rapport to ensure that your team is going to hear those messages filtered through that versus you know, walking into the practice and you know, just having commands that are put in place because then you end up with unhappy team members that don't feel like they were on board or able to contribute to what the decisions were. So there's various stages that we go through that allow us to better communicate as
0: leaders or just as team members throughout the foundations course. Oh, sounds absolutely fantastic, ladies. Really, really fantastic. Anything else you want to tell me about it before we move on to some questions? You know, you touched on
2: developing culture as being a big team. So as we kind of loop back to that, developing a good team culture, that is probably one of the biggest pieces of advice that I would have for a dentist or a team is just sitting down and working together to identify what is your culture. So as we touched on our values are for us personally, our honesty and growth. And so those are really like prized things in our minds and things that we really focus on to make sure that we're always reflecting on how it is that we can do better. For a team culture, it may be something different that appeals to the leader of the practice. And But really sitting down to work together to say, are we all aligned with the values that we hold in the practice, and are we all embodying them?
1: Yeah, personally and professionally, what do you hold as the value for yourself and as a professional? And, you know, looking at how much do these align with each other? And do you see where any of that constraints exist? I think it's really huge to build that team culture and make sure that everybody sees the same value for the practice. Because that's where you really do see those thriving practices where they all, you know, communicate well to each other, that they implement change really quickly. And we've all met someone within those practices or we know someone who works in one of those practices where it's just fun and it's easy. And they say, oh, I'm going to go learn about this course because we know it aligns with our culture. And they're all like, great bring it back to us. I can't wait to hear about it. And there's excitement. And it's like the dream to have that. But team culture, I think, is one of the biggest things to work on for a practice.
0: Without a doubt. And I think you can't be successful without a good culture. I mean, you really can't be successful without a good culture. One bad egg spoils the bunch. I know that you probably have heard that. And it can't be more true. Even in small practices, you can see It's almost like a disease, unfortunately, and if you don't somehow either align that person, you got to make the tough decision to let them go. At least that's what I've learned in my lifetime in dentistry is that some people, you know, you got to let go and it's okay. You know, they're better off in someplace else where they align more with whatever they are finding is their core values, right?
1: Yeah, I think it's really important to recognize that when we talk about understanding personalities, it's not just that you can make everyone fit in the practice if you understand who they are. They really truly can just be not the right fit or there's not a way to allow this person to really thrive within your practice And, and your practice culture is actually just putting them into survival mode where they're not thriving as an individual or a professional anyway. So it's important to recognize that there are situations and we'll, you know, and we will outline those too, as far as like toxic people. And when we need to let go of those toxic people, because emotions are scientifically proven to be contagious. There's tons of scientific research and the most contagious of them all, of course, is that negative, negative, Nancy, right? That negative atmosphere, Mm -hmm. that person who comes in and stomps around, or always has something negative, it puts everyone in a bad mood, and it really reduces the ability to have the conversations that need to happen in the practice because we're fearful of maybe
2: what this one person might do. And that's definitely something that we focus on as well: is how do we have these difficult conversations? Because it's very true that we have to recognize sometimes there won't be a fit that works within the practice, and that's okay, but it's hard to have those conversations. So I know there are many people where we've talked to them and, and they'll say, this person just isn't the right fit. But then as you come into the practice, you know, month after month, you're seeing that person still there and they're still saying it's not the right fit. Like it's holding back this yes. project, or this isn't happening because of this. And it's more the fear of having the conversation and not having the comfort or the understanding of how to best approach that, to be able to allow that person to, Maintain face as they are leaving the practice and and give them that option to, you know, leave and but also bringing to the attention what it is that's going on or what's what's making the situation uncomfortable. So we go through how to have those more challenging conversations and the things that you can focus on to allow them to be the most productive without having it become like a situation that is like animosity and, you know, negative and frustrating and, and more challenging than it needs to be.
0: Right. I do remember a time when I did have to leave, let somebody go. It was early on in my career and I must not have, have done it appropriately because she was very malicious when she left. And so, you know, I do think that that's good for young new dentist practice owners to understand that you do have to approach this in the right way and say the right things otherwise they can do some damage to your practice or do damage to you personally outside of the practice by you know complaining on and now with social media this was before social media was so big with when i was early in my practice and i will say that y- you can do a lot of damage with social media today for sure
2: yeah allowing them a tactful way out of the situation and really focusing on the verbiage and the focus and, you know, the points within the conversation of explaining to them the rationale for letting them go. But it is one of those things where it's, it's a big fear. And I think that contributes to it as well as you hear, even when you go through OSHA courses, that the most likely to complain person is, is that employee that was let go that has animosity towards the practice. And so it creates this fear where You don't want to have those conversations because you're afraid of how much that could hurt your practice. Mm -hmm. And so being very tactful in the way that we proceed with those is important.
1: And the conversation after the fact with your team is probably one of the most forgotten conversations. I think that it takes so much courage for us to come up with a conversation to let Mm -hmm. someone go that we sometimes can shut off afterwards. We're like, okay, it's done. It's over with. Back to work and we forget that our team has some sort of investment in this person, whether or not this was a toxic person or not, anytime you let someone go into practice, it can create that uncertainty again. Mm-hmm. Regardless of whether or not maybe I personally also wanted that person to leave the practice, now the fear is, Are they letting multiple people go? Like, is this because the doctor's retiring? Like, our mind goes into story mode. And that's what neurologically we're meant to do. If we don't have the story, we will always make up a story. And we see it on social media all the time, where you can tell someone didn't have the story, so they made up a story. And once we've made up the story, it's hard to convince us otherwise. So not allowing that self-talk, that self-story making to come up in the practice is a huge part of the culture. And having those conversations with our team members to really let them know right after it happens, sitting everybody down, letting them know what your reasoning was, and asking everybody how they feel and if they want to talk to you about it and that, you know, ensuring everyone about their jobs. And then there's no story. There's no gossip. There's no story that can be created.
0: Right. Oh my gosh. Great advice, ladies. Great advice. So I'm going to ask you some questions and you can respond either personally or professionally. So about your business or not, and it's totally up to you. So first I'm going to ask you, what is the single best piece of advice that you have received? Oh, we had already touched on that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. so our biggest piece of advice is we're we're totally Tony Robbins fans. We get a little Tony Robbins in us every (laughs) once in a while and go off on tangents. But one of the things that Tony Robbins talks about is that in order to influence people, you must know what already influences them. And that has just been huge in our personal lives and our professional lives is too often you know, being these educators that we are and loving education, I mean hygienists especially, we just love to educate. Mm -hmm. That's what we do all day long is POH and teach them about their oral hygiene. Being somebody who loves to educate, it's easy for us to jump right to education mode. Somebody comes to me to vent, I'm like, I'm gonna fix this for you. I got you, honey. A patient comes in and says, you know, my mom lost all her teeth at the age of this. So I'm going to lose them too. And you're like, no, you're not. Not on my watch. You know, we get so excited to save the day. But the reality is, is that any of that conversation that we're going to have with people, we have to understand their story first. And so it's looking at people as if they're a storybook and you're excited to turn the pages and like, this is a good read. I wanna know what's going on with this person, I wanna understand them more, versus I've already got the answer, I already know what's on the next pages and I'm gonna tell you more. And so I think that's the biggest thing that we've taken from this is really getting to know what makes people do what they do. Why do people think the way that they think? Why do people act the way that they act? What makes people do what they do? And in order to get that, we first must understand them as a person more and ask questions which we don't do very often in our profession.
2: One of the most challenging parts of doing that too is really getting out of the um, me, my, I perspective. Like as people, we are hardwired to think about what is in our best interest and-
0: About me, yeah.
2: Yeah, and we may be doing that thinking that we are, you know, in the perspective of what's in the best interest of someone else to help them. But really trying to get into that third party perspective to say like, okay, what is it that's going on with them? You know, what are, what are my thoughts towards this? And am I able to kind of step back to really understand the situation? And just really approaching it from that outside perspective, which is, is very challenging to do. So a lot of time goes into building just that ability to have self-reflection for yourself or even developing those empathetic Skills as well. It takes a lot of practice.
0: And it takes a lot of listening too, doesn't it? I mean, <laughs> you got to listen twice as much. I love that quote you know, you've got two ears and one mouth. That's the way you should use them, right? Twice as much li- <laughs> listening and less talking, right? Absolutely. And, and, and
2: it's, as yeah. you're like listening, it's funny because then you have to try to like quiet your internal dialogue that's still doing the same thing that's still like, oh gosh, if they only knew this or I could tell them this. Yes. And then someone pauses and, or there's a lull in the conversation and you pause and you're like, wait a minute, what, what, what were they saying? I like missed all of that. So yeah. even, even listening goes beyond just, just being quiet. It's really, really focusing on being present and it, it can be challenging and it depends on times of days and, and what's going on in your world too. And really making sure that you're taking that moment to encourage yourself to be present in a conversation.
0: Totally agree. Totally agree. Who would you say has made the biggest impact on you, ladies?
2: Well, I think, in all honesty,
1: it's anyone who is already taking those next steps. When we personally, because we're so focused on education and empathy and being vulnerable and belief systems and really, you know, choosing courage and taking those next steps in uncomfortable situations, whenever we see someone who does that, it inspires us. You know, we've seen, we've gone to many speaking engagements where there might be someone in the crowd who stops and asks a question and the person speaking really stops to listen to what they're saying and responds to them in a way that resonates with them. And it might not even be anything that has to do with the topic that they're talking about. And those moments are always like, oh, I wouldn't have even approached it that way. Like, damn, you're good. (laughs) It always inspires us, you know? And there's sometimes where I get hot-headed and my ego gets in front of me and, and something happens and I'm like, can you believe this person did this, Is this, is this, this? And then, you know, maybe Tessie looks at it from that third-party perspective and goes, but did you think of it this way? And it's anytime somebody takes that moment to really step out and be fully present and show up the way that we should be showing up in conversations, it's super inspiring
0: and super hard to do. Oh my god, super gosh. hard to do. <laughs> <Super> <laughs> hard, to do. <laughs> super hard to do. I'm listening to you and I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, easier said than done. No truer words have been said but easier said than done. And it's always
1: a matter of practice, practice, practice and there's no such thing as perfection. We don't believe in that. You know, perfection is the enemy. We never want to strive to be perfect. We always want to make sure that we are able to self-reflect and say, Oh, you know, maybe I could have done this differently. And self-reflection is probably one of the biggest things that we do personally is always saying, Okay, how could I approach this differently? Did I do this? You know, did my ego get in the way? Did I take that third-party perspective? And the more that you practice that, the easier it becomes. And your, you know, your team members will see that too. People notice that when we talk to them, is that we have that ability to just kind of step back for a minute. And also vulnerability is huge to be able to say when you can't step back, because there are times where you're just like, you know what, right now, I need to go take some time for myself, and then I want to come back to this conversation because I don't feel like I can approach it the way that I really should right now. And being able to say that versus trying to fit into the social norm or trying to fit into this box of, okay, I'm the leader. I have to stand up and I have to have this conversation right now instead of just saying, you know what, right now is really hard for me. And I think in COVID, we really saw a lot of leaders step up where they were able to say like, this is really hard for me and this is where I'm struggling. Where are you also struggling? and having those conversations and breaking past that barrier of maybe, you know, that stereotype that they're the leader, that they can't share their emotions, that that's gonna make them weak. And so those are really great things that we've noticed during this time.
0: I have noticed a lot of silver linings during this time. And I will say that that definitely is one of them. And being more aware of our teammates, and knowing that everybody has their issues that they're dealing with they don't bring it to work every day you know I used to have this saying that you know if you're having issues at home there's a a shrub on next to the front door you can always leave it there and you can get it on the way out but I promise you if you leave it there and not bring it into the office by the time you go out it's going to be away from your mind and you'll have forgotten all about whatever the issue was that you came in with. And I think that it just helps people mentally just separate those thoughts that are driving them crazy and physically do something with them so that they can come in free to just be present at that moment in time for and work with you.
1: Yeah, we've all had those days where you're trying to leave the house, spill the coffee on you, trip over the kid's shoes, get it in the car, realize that one of them's naked. I mean, maybe that hasn't happened to everyone. (laughs) But it happens to me sometimes where you're just like, oh, so frazzled. And it's hard to just be like, okay, you know, put on a game face when you go into the practice. And I think we say all the time, you know, leave your baggage at the door. And sometimes that's easier said than done in certain situations. And so being able to even just be vulnerable enough to say like, whew, I had a whirlwind of a morning. I'm sorry that I'm going to seem like a hot mess. I just need like 10 minutes to really like.
2: Pull it together.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I just need, and you know, and saying that because sometimes, because body language speaks louder than words. And a lot of times I think people will come in and pretend that they're okay. And we all know those moments where we've asked them, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine well, they're not fine. And now we've just created a new story that obviously I upset them at some point, And now they're angry at me when it has nothing to do with me. And so I think it's also really important to teach our team members to be able to have that conversation and feel comfortable saying, I had a really rough morning. I'm sorry if I seem off right now. I'm just working through it.
2: You know? Yeah. Emotions, I think, you know, there's there's a thought that emotions are are going to be left outside of the practice and and we're working with people all day long we are people and there's that subjective component to our interactions that will always be present but it's being able to communicate those moments where it's saying like this is a me thing like maybe you're tired or or whatever it may be but being able to be aware of that aware of how that is impacting your day and your team members around you also communicating it so they're not making up those stories as well because you don't want them to think that because you're not talking during the day or because you went and had lunch in your car quietly that yes. this means that you're upset with somebody. It might just be like, yeah, I'm trying to leave, you know, the, the emotions at the door. I'm really wiped out and I just don't have enough energy to have those outward interactions beyond just being able to be there for my patients during the day. And that's okay. Just having those, conversations and having that degree of vulnerability to say, you know, I'm just going to go check out for lunch for a minute and I'll be back. You know, this has nothing to do with anybody, but um, and then also recognizing when there's emotions that are flaring up because something is going on within the practice, because we do all have our own boundaries that we have to make sure that we are respectful of or that conversations are happening that need to happen, which a lot of times, Misconversations conversations are result in emotions and upset team members. Yeah. And it's a matter of recognizing where these emotions stemming from, what conversations need to occur, and how can we address those and in a productive way, not just an emotional outburst, but saying, you know, I'm feeling this way. Why am I feeling this way? What's going on? You know, what's truly going on? And what can the resolution be? And then having that conversation to make sure That it's resolved. It's not something that is gonna be swept up under the rug and then appear as, you know, more negative emotions later on down the road. Excellent.
0: Excellent. Are there any obstacles that you ladies have overcome in the process of forming your business or even, you know, during your early careers in dentistry?
1: I think it's been an obstacle for us and I think dentistry as a whole, and it's something that drives us in creating MVP very much is really there's kind of a status quo with implementing dentistry. And so dentistry has changed over the years as far as what we do, but how we do it and how we implement change and how we kind of communicate with the people hasn't changed very much. So there's this status quo that the dentist is in charge right the dentist is the leader the dentist implements the change so sometimes they might say okay this is the new thing that we're doing they come in they say this is what we're going to do and then it's expected that it's to be done and so that has been the challenge of saying okay how do we create you know a change in that where we can lead differently and so what chassie and i have said and we were talking about this earlier is there's a big difference between having someone on a leash and then doing what you do and having someone walk beside you. Mm -hmm. And what we really want to overcome is that leash aspect. We really want to be able to create in dentistry where everyone is on the same plane.
0: Yeah.
1: And truly that's what leadership is. And also that the dentist doesn't always have to be the leader. There are plenty of dentists who say, I just want to do the dentistry, right? They don't need to be seen as the leader. We all take leadership roles in different ways. And leadership is usually about being on the same plane, knowing what inspires each other, understanding each other fully. And then you have a team of leaders who are walking beside each other versus just throwing things in there and expecting people to change.
0: The one thing that, that just popped into my mind that, that we haven't talked about really is accountability. And where does accountability fit into at all, if it does at all, fit into your program? Accountability in regards to like team accountability or... Right. So, you know, when I worked as a practice owner, you know, one of the things that I love to do is I love to allow my team to choose where they were going to lead and what they were going to be in charge of. And for me, that was an issue of accountability, right? They, they were accountable for X, Y, and Z. You know, on a, a weekly basis, we'd have our team meeting. I would get updates on that. And it would absolutely thrill me because it was one less thing that I had to be accountable for or worry about because if they were accountable for it, you know, they could take the ownership of it. And now I've got several owners in my practice instead of just me owning it. So I guess maybe I'm saying about the same thing, but I'm just using a different word, is that correct? No, that's great. So um, when we really think about
2: accountability within our program, we encourage, as we're getting all of our team members on board and making decisions and having these conversations, One of the challenging things is that we want to make sure that yes, their voices are heard as well, but we wanna make sure that they are bringing us solutions. So there's nothing more frustrating than when you're just kind of inundated with the problems, what's going wrong in the practice, what's not working. And so a lot of our conversation approaches and the trainings regarding how to have difficult conversations or how to resolve challenges center around coming up with solutions to really make sure that you as an individual if you are coming into the practice and you have a challenge that is happening that you are going to propose three solutions you know and with those being your solutions and you selecting the one that seems to be the best fit for say you and the dentist for example you are then accountable for that choice that you just made Mm So if you have chose that to be the best solution-based approach and then you guys have both agreed on it, that automatically assigns accountability. So a lot of the accountability happens in the way that the conversations happen in the way that they are structured and the solutions that you're required to come up with, or even just having conversations about identifying barriers to implementing change. If the team members are able to identify their barriers and then everybody is able to have this conversation to say, okay, this is the best solution, even though we know that these things are going to be repercussions, if you are able to get everyone to have that yes conversation of like, okay, we know this is going to happen, once they say yes, just that conversation instills a lot of accountability within an an individual, Mm -hmm. once they have said that that is the best option or the best solution. So, which sounds like it's very similar to what you had done within your practice is saying, what areas do you thrive in? Mm-hmm. Like, what tasks do you love to do? Do you feel like you excel? Because really, we want our teams, our team members to be in those situations 75% of the time. Like, we want to challenge them as well, but we want to know that they are in that position, that they are going to be a total rock star at and excel in. And then we're gonna challenge them a little bit in some other areas, but that also gives them the confidence to come into work and do the best that they can as well.
1: Mm -hmm. But what we wanna be careful with, with that too is that there can be those situations where if I'm in charge of one task, I can get really possessive of that too, right? So if someone else is maybe creating change or causing problems in that, then there's the blame situations that can happen in the practice. So when we talk about accountability is more in conversations, is how to have those conversations to ensure that everybody is always on the same page and that they can be accountable for the things and the actions that they take. So that you can have that comfort and that confidence to say, you know, if I were the practice owner and I came and said, well, how come this didn't happen? We might go into blame mode. Can happen really quickly. And so we're trying to kind of start at the bottom level and dig our way up so that there is no blaming in the practice. There is no shaming, that there's this comfort of accountability that I know that I can be accountable for everything I say and that I'm not going to blame someone because that would just be another conversation that would need to happen instead. And so it's just really creating that team culture where everyone is accountable for everything and the conversations are happening if something is not going
0: the way that it should. Now, you recently brought up the word confidence, and I'd love to switch to that topic right now because both of you obviously appear extremely confident in your ability. You sound extremely confident. Have you always been that way? And I want you both to answer this question because I think it's critically important. Confidence to me, and I'll explain to you a little bit about why I asked this question. So, what I see with many of my students is they're brilliant. Their hand skills are phenomenal, but they lack confidence in any ability to do anything well. And I shake my head at that and say, okay, what is missing in your experiences that you need in order to gain that confidence? So I'll go back to my question. You know, have you always been that confident? And if not, how did you gain it? For me,
2: so, you know, I... Would say, over time I have gained confidence. So I am more introverted than extroverted, which it doesn't appear that way in certain situations. So a lot of times, if we're doing a conference and we're giving a presentation, that is all in for me. And then Christina knows that I just like shut down afterwards. (laughs) Like we probably can't have like a big group dinner or anything like that afterwards. So it's really understanding what is it that works for you? What like what is your personality? Because I think confidence is thought of as this exuding, extroversion energy, and it's really understanding what it is, where is it that you thrive versus where is it that you survive? Like what situations are you going to be the most comfortable in? And trying to stick to situations like that. Or if we're presenting, it's what topics, like which areas am I more comfortable in. So mm-hmm. Christina is more comfortable with saying some things that are more bold. And I'm yeah. like, I'm like, okay, Christina, that's going to be the part that you go into <laughs> in the presentation, because I know that it will just take me out of that comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And then also having kind of a degree of like a, a bit of like a personal mantra to myself of just knowing that when I'm presenting or when we are, you know, doing a podcast like today, my goal is is not to be me standing up here, you know, talking about myself by any means. It's really how can we convey the best information for the person that's listening. So that really takes me out of that thought process of of wanting to go to my introverted side and, and just be really quiet and not present. But it's really saying how can I give the most value in this situation? And then having that honest reflection of saying, you know, if I don't show up fully and if I'm not here sharing this information, then I didn't provide the value that I could have provided that would have been beneficial to someone else to hear.
0: So on point. I just have to say that to you. So on point because it's never about us, is it? It's always about whoever else we're talking to. It's about what value we can bring to the conversation for them. So, oh my gosh, great information. Okay, you're up.
1: Yeah, I mean, mine is really similar because of the work that we do with MVP, it has really brought out my self-confidence. I think becoming a mom started mm-hmm. that self-confidence. <laughs> there, there's a huge personality shift that happens when you become a parent and a single parent at that. So I have two wild, crazy, amazing kiddos that I'm a single mom for. And it took me out of my comfort zone because like Chastity, I'm a little bit more introverted. I prefer my alone time. I prefer my quiet time. But when it comes to the kids, it's like, you can't choose that. You know, if they say, I want you to come out here and dance with me, you have to choose courage over comfort. It's like, okay, what will I gain out of this? I'll gain so much more out of having this moment with you than me sitting here by myself because I don't want to be, what? Embarrassed. And starting to recognize my own emotions and my personality. And like Chastu said, where we thrive versus survive is so important to be able to know my boundaries and to not allow myself into those moments where I'm merely surviving. Because no matter what, I can't fake the confidence in situations like that. You truly just can't fake it. And so allowing myself to be more in those thrive moments and around people that I thrive with. And, you know, having to evaluate the relationships that I had personally was a big thing, too, to help build my confidence to make sure that the people around me are also helping to fill that bucket as much as possible. And then I feel comfortable having those vulnerable conversations with them and that we're building each other up. And then when it comes to our work, you know, it's just it's always building the confidence because it's so it's about the people. And it's so incredibly motivating to think about motivating and inspiring others to be better and, and look beyond the limitations that they have previously had set on themselves.
0: I have to say, I never would have pinpointed either one of you for introverts. Never.
1: <laughs> we're ambiverts now. We're not introverts. We're parenting yeah, we're not introverts anymore. Parenting has now converted us to ambiverts. Thank you. I
2: would have to say there's no- that challenged me. My daughter was like yelling in the living room last night and I was like, oh sweetie, like our, our loud voices, our outside voices, you can go outside on the porch and if you want to yell, that's totally fine out there. And she walked out and was like screaming and was like, mom, come yell with me. And I was like, I don't know if I can do that.
0: <laughs> How fun is that? You know what? Being a mom was by far the single best experience of my life. And being a grandmother now and, and I have one grandson who turns two on Friday and a granddaughter on the way. Oh my gosh. I have to say that that you know when I was younger, I was working as a hygienist at the time and my daughter doesn't really remember me ever being home with her because by the time she was five, I was starting dental school. It just is my biggest enjoyment spending this time with my grandchildren because, oh my gosh, I missed so many little things, I think, when I was a young mom that I get to enjoy so much more now, which is such a delight. So good for you guys.
2: They're such a blast. It's so cool to see. You get to see like the world through a whole other pair of eyes. It's just the way that they look at things and the things that capture their attention. You kind of get to pause and be like, wow, like these are things that don't even stand out to me or like wouldn't even register to me. So it gets to, we all get to be kids again and play a little bit more when we're, (laughs) we're really aware of that and focusing on it.
1: They're great to practice all these people skills on too. I got to be honest, because like Chassie said, Mm -hmm. it's a lot of times you wouldn't even think that that was the story that they're telling themselves. So you really do have to listen and ask questions to better understand where you're like, "Ooh, okay, yeah. tell me more about that." You know, what are you thinking? Tell me about that, you know. What's exciting? And and you go into these stories and you, and you come out of it whenever you ask those questions like, "I would have
2: never thought that that's where we oh, were." Oh yeah, going. it's <laughs> one of the best ways like for all of these skills, I would say that's practice one on the, children. Yeah, that's one of the- <laughs>
0: have to remember that when I work with my grandson and 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 use those people skills and try to develop them on him oh my gosh
2: I know I wonder if we should have a fine print for pediatricians on this, like, <laughs> it's your pediatrician before, but it's great because you know when you're practicing all of these skills like empathy or you know building rapport and having that trust and and developing an understanding for another person's perspective what better way to do that than than with your kids because as we talk about it like people are irrational entirely, and there's, there's no one more irrational than a two-year-old. I have mm-hmm. a, a two-year-old right now, and so it's asking questions and understanding and trying to figure it out, and so it's wonderful practice. <laughs> and empathy,
1: empathy is a huge one, because if you think of a child who has a purple pencil and breaks it, and you have 10 more purple pencils, you're like, what's the big deal? I've got more purple pencils, but they're so upset. It's not mm-hmm. about thinking about a time when you had a pencil that broke, but thinking about okay, when's the time that I really had something when that I felt I was, that devastation and I felt mm-hmm. and I felt that same like devastation and connecting with that and practicing that and truly, I mean, I think having children has been the best practice for these exercises for us to be able to say, okay, when's the time I have felt that same emotion, not had that situation happen to mm-hmm.
0: me. Unbelievable. So in dentistry, is there anyone that inspires you ladies to do what you do?
2: it is those little moments where especially during this time so in practice i am in clinical practice two days a week right now and so we have you know various team members that have stepped up and taken on different tasks but hearing those conversations where one person may not feel comfortable or safe and just knowing that whoever is conveying information takes that moment to pause and, and say like help me to understand you know where is it that this information came from or what is it that would make you more comfortable would be some moments from during you know this pandemic time that have just stood out to me and it happens in the online continuing education courses here and there or, or seminars that we've attended in person where you have someone that just really pauses and takes that time to reflect and just and give you that really in-depth response where it's like wow like i typically like Christina was saying, it takes so much practice to always be in that mindset and it's, it's challenging to do. But those moments where other professionals remind me really inspires me because I'm like, gosh, we have such a good group of professionals that really do want the best for one another and for their patients as well. It's just really focusing in on those skills, something that's not typically taught you know, within school. It's something that we learn you know, by fluke most of the time. Mm -hmm. And so really harnessing that energy that I get from others within the profession. And yeah, I
1: wouldn't say that it's there's an individual, it's individual experiences. You know, it's just individual moments that we've run into from multiple individuals that we go, Wow, okay. Good for good job. Like way to go. Like those are just those are the inspiring moments really.
0: So like an aha moment like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad we're doing this because this person now gets it and it's on point to what we wanted to do.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. When we mm-hmm. can see those moments, it's really, it's amazing.
0: I bet. I bet. That's awesome. What's your favorite way to manage stress? Because I'm sure you have none, but.
2: <laughs> the, the, <I'm> list, <laughs> the
1: list is incredibly long. Do we have an hour for this?
2: <laughs> so we just came back. We just did a weekend, a week um, camping trip together. We escaped to Acadia. So we brought just the kiddos and us and we spent a few days just hiking with no cell phone service and and shutting off at the beach or you know we brought our kayaking we, kayaking, we brought our our workout bands and so we worked out while they played at the park and <laughs> <laughs> we listened to an audiobook on the way there i'm sure when they're like 16 they'll think that we're like the most boring parents ever
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's okay, ladies. It's okay. They, uh, they always have those negative thoughts until they finally get into their thirties. And then, oh, my mom is kind of cool. Oh, she's, she's so
2: awesome. She was so awesome. That someday, someday, someday will happen. Someday,
0: someday. Sorry, I'm telling you, it doesn't happen until they're in their thirties. Sometimes it's later than that
1: yeah (laughs) but in short it's outdoor anything outdoors Mm -hmm. reading meditating and exercise is really what we do so it's a lot of things you need to have multiple outlets it's really important that everyone can say okay this is what i need to do to de-stress and everyone's is going to look differently and it could just be curling up on the couch reading a book it could be taking a nap (laughs) whatever you need it
2: could be socializing like depending on your personality type like you might need you might need people time, which of course is challenging right now, but you know, it might sure. be a, a, a zoom, a zoom cocktail party. meeting with your best friend in the evening, you know. But yeah. it's important to have those outlets. Absolutely.
0: Well, I have to tell you, I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation today, ladies. Thank you so much for being with me and for sharing your your insights at what I perceive to be unbelievable for me to see this in young women. To be so clear and focus on on this, this communication piece, I applaud you because nothing is more important than how we communicate and what we say to each other. Words are things and they have energy and they make an impact. And if we are not careful about the impact that they are making, it could destroy a person for the rest of their life. And this I know from childhood experiences but I know it to be true. So I applaud you for your work and what you're doing and, and keep on going. I wish you the best of success. Well
1: said. Thank you, MJ. We Thank really you appreciate
0: for having it. us. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening to the Women in Dentistry podcast with Dr. MJ Hanlon. If you like our show and want to know more about us, check out our website, thewomenindentistry.com, or please leave us a review on iTunes. Join us for our next episode as we bring you another amazing woman leading the way for the next generation.